Welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. I'm Pete Clark, your host, The Whispers Guy. It appears that work expands to the time that we give it, and I started to explore how I was investing my time and effort, particularly on Fridays. It's evolved to an explanation and experiment with time, energy, attention and identity, and a mindset shift from I have to to I choose to. So if you're interested in exploring some changes to the way that you invest your time and your energy, if you'd like some tips on the way as you make some changes perhaps to your identity, if you would like the freedom of I choose to, away from I have to, then this is the podcast for you. So welcome to the Freedom Fridays Project podcast. Welcome to this week's edition of the Freedom Fridays podcast, where I have uh, a special guest, Anne Nealon, with me today. So Anne, I've only known for probably a couple of years. We met on uh, a development opportunity together. We probably kind of passed ships passing in the night and then connected actually post the program. And we've become connected in, in many different ways. So Anne, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pete. Great to be here. Glad to have you. Um, and I always start with the, the question, uh, in, in trying to give more life to our years, uh, moving from something to something, you know, kind of this, I have to work to, I choose to work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've interviewed many people with big changes that they've made or are thinking of making. So l- let's start with that. What's the, mm-hmm. the big change you have done or you're considering in making? Okay. So in um, November, 2018, I took a redundancy from corporate. Mm-hmm. So, I had always worked in a corporate job, Um, bit of a goody goody (laughs) choose, I think, Um, coming from a middle-class family where you worked, you you went to university and you got a job and you worked and you you worked hard for the man, if you like, and that had always been my mindset and my mentality Um, and... And in the lead up to that, actually, for about six months, I'd been really unhappy in corporate life, Um, a bit sick of the politics. I was working on this project that I loved. The project was amazing. I'd learnt so much. But the corporate elements were just dragging me down. My kids were eight and ten at the the time and I kind of realised I need to be around them more. They need me more now than they did when they were little. And so for six months, I'd been kind of thinking about how was I going to get out of corporate. I'd worked in digital marketing for a long time, but it didn't really feel that that's what I really wanted to be or didn't want to be this old lady working in digital with all these young people. (laughs) Um, So I was trying to think about how, what was my next move? What did I do? And then this golden opportunity of redundancy landed on my lap. And so I thought, right, this, I've been looking for this. So decided to um, become my own boss, work for myself. Um, My husband had been doing freelance. He'd been the stay-at-home parent. And we decided that we would make a go of building his business. So, um, yeah, so that was my kind of big, I guess, change from this mentality of I have to have a job, I have to work for someone, I have to be a good employee to, well, no, I don't have to do any of those things and I can choose to be my own boss. I, I've got some good knowledge and experience and there's a different sector that I want to apply that knowledge and experience to. 
Okay. So, yeah, so I took, I also decided, used to really irritate me that on the 2nd of January every year I had to go to work because I only got four weeks of leave a year and the right. kids were at school and there's like, right. I don't know, 60 days a year when there's no school. And mm. um, so I had the summer of fun. I didn't, I didn't work that summer and then just started to kind of look at what we did next after that. Cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to pick up a little bit later on the, what you did next. I'm, I'm interested uh-huh. in the, the catalyst because the, what you've described to go from working for the proverbial man, you know, to pay the tax, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, to working for yourself in, in whatever circumstance, it seems like an aspiration or dream for many people. Mm-hmm. They, they, oh, I want to run my own business, not even thinking that they are the business themselves, but, you know, have an ABN, you know, directorship, yeah. you know, I'm the CEO of my own business, which always makes me smile a little bit. Um, you said you were unhappy for six months prior. Up to that point, were there any whispers that give you a bit of a, were there any weak signals you can go, oh, something's not quite right? I was just really unhappy. I was right. really stressed. Um, yeah. I wasn't. I wasn't enjoying going to work. Um, you know, it was. I'd always liked my job. I'd always hmm. liked what I did. I always got fulfillment. You know, I. I got fulfillment from going to work and working with people. And um, I was. I never wanted to be a stay-at-home mum. Right. Oh, sorry. I thought I did. And then when I had kids, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, actually, I'm not a Play-Doh and finger paints kind of person. <laughs> and so a lot of my identity was wrapped up in being good at what I did. And, you know, I was the mm. classic overachiever. I did well at school. I did well at university and I did well at work. And in the last six months of my being there, I was, yeah, I was working on this project, but I didn't feel like I was doing well anymore. And so that starts to really question my identity of, well, Mm. if I'm not good at this, what the hell am I good at kind of thing? Um, So that were probably some of those whispers. And I just, the big catalyst too was my my kids. I just kind of realised that because I was working for a company that was headquartered in Europe and so I would go to work for, eight hours and then I'd come home and I'd get on calls for another two or three hours my kids are like why are you always on calls you know we never see you you don't have you don't put us to bed and they're like they were eight and ten and so they um they just they were becoming aware and my daughter is quite shy and Mm. I just went you know I actually need to be I need to be present for them I want to I don't I also kind of realised that I wanted, we're at this kind of turning point in their lives where I wanted to know who their friends were. I wanted to be a part of their lives. I wanted to just know who they were hanging out with. Like I don't want to be their best friend, but I could just see we were going to be going into these teenage years and the potential for it all going a bit wrong was high <laughs> because I was just not present. So that was kind of really one of my big motivators was to make sure that we were set up for our kids' teenage years from an emotional well-being point of view. Can I pick up on that? Because I'm interested. Um, I, I, you know, further respect the, you know, the, you know, 
finger painting type of moment at the time, which I think some mums struggle with not being, and some mums struggle with different stages, as yeah. my wife did. Um, what 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 was the catalyst for you to think that the teenage years were really important versus the earlier years? So I think in the earlier years, their physical needs are more important. Okay. Like, you know, they've got to be fed and clothed and yep. sounds terrible, but kind of anyone can do that. <laughs> sure, they need yeah. your emotional needs, but, you know, I never had any problem sending my kids to daycare. It was interesting. So when my son was seven months old, like, so I left, I finished, I've always had this kind of little dream in the back of my head to be a consultant. And back in 2007, I left my job, corporate job, went and got married and um, was going to start my own consulting business in analytics. And I fell pregnant very quickly. And so I went, okay, what do we do now? So my husband worked full-time in an agency. We do similar sort of work. I had our baby, you know, I had a really nice, easy first pregnancy. I didn't, I worked part-time, it was very nice. And then like our son was born in 2008. And so when he was seven months old, we were in the middle of the GFC and my husband was working for a marketing agency and they said, oh, we need you to go part-time because our work's cut back. Mm. And so we were like, what do we do? You know, I was about to go looking for part-time work and he would have probably gone look for a full-time job. And we said, well, why don't you take part-time work, stay at home with our son, and I'll go and get a full-time job. And once I started going to interviews, I went, oh, my God, this is what I need to do. I actually need to be at work. I need to be with adults. And and so, you know, it's really interesting. It's come Mm. full circle. So back then in 2009, I went and got a full-time job, and I loved it, and I thrived, and it was great because my son has this awesome relationship because and both my kids have this awesome relationship with my husband because he bought them up at the beginning when they were little and so anyway coming back to your original question so I feel like when they kind of realize when they're little there's lots of people who are in their lives who can fulfill their needs Mm -hmm. when they get to eight and ten and you know when I see what other people's teenagers have gone through um the things you read about in the media, the, mm. I just feel like you need, as, as a parent, you need to be present. And we can't just turn up when they're 13 or 14 and go, hey, I'm here to be your parent. You kind of yeah. got to set that relationship and trust from when they're eight or 10. And we, we've seen the rewards of that. You know, that was two years ago. So my daughter was eight. She used to, she used to hate getting into trouble. So she wouldn't tell us stuff. Like and a goody two-shoes. She's a goody two-shoes. She's so much like me. <laughs> <laughs> and so now when she does something wrong, she comes and she'll say, Oh, I need to tell you something. Oh, and wow. I go, Thank God I've spent the last two years at home. Yeah. Yeah, the power and of that's amazing. It is. Mm. Because I go, okay, we, you know, it's kind of when we were doing that course, you know, at one point we got to say, What are your goals for the next five years? And I say to my accountability group I remember this clearly on one call I went my goals for the next five years are to get my two kids to 18 in one piece yeah great goal and that's that's it so going from being this corporate I was never a high flyer but a corporate achiever you know defined by my job to this actually this little unit of four people here yeah that's my 
goal at the moment and my job is to get these new humans out of my responsibility in a, yeah, you know, in a healthy yeah. and safe way. Yeah, that's, that's, our, that's our deeper legacy, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Um, and do you mind if I ask you about the working mum thing? Because I know it's a bit of a title that gets used for, you know, any mum who works and <laughs> there's different definitions. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to put words into your mouth, but I'm interested in the shift that you made early years versus the teenage years when you look back is there any sense of guilt or regret or have you been able to just let that go and focus on the future um it's interesting I kind of wore that working mum badge as a bit of a badge of honor it's like yeah I work full-time I remember going to kindergarten oh, I work full-time I work full-time you know and I kind of I look back now I go god I was a poser I was, <laughs> okay. I think it was trying to be diff, like, just be a bit different. You know, I'm mm -hmm. a bit different. Um, so that, on reflection, that's an interesting thing for me. Yeah. Um, I never had guilt really cool. about going to work because yeah. it made me a better mother because I didn't resent being here. You know, I didn't resent them. I had my life. Like I've always been very clear that um, I am me as a person and I'm there, you know, yes, they're my kids, but they they don't define me. Um, wow. I've, I've got a little bit of goosebumps there as you said <laughs> that. I have, seriously. Um, just that connection, because I think, our, our experiences are unique mm. whether we agree or not and you know terms like working mother allow us to have a conversation about it but deep beneath that it's your own construct of that uh, and to hear you say maybe not consciously but on reflection that working full-time made you a better mother I, I think a lot of people will be relieved to hear that that's okay uh, well that was my experience like I just I said I'm not I didn't want to be finger painting and yeah. okay I have a, I'm, I'm still friends with the people who were in my mother's group we met my son's my eldest has just turned 13 and mm. um, I'm still in contact we don't see each other a lot um, I was the first one to go back to work um, and I went back full-time <laughs> okay she was here and now she's gone yeah. <laughs> but I don't know maybe because I was an older like I didn't have my kids until I was in my yep. mid thirties yep. and I'd had a, and my husband's four years older than me and, and I'd had this whole kind of life and I didn't, I didn't give that up if you like. Mm. And I wanted, I like, I did want kids, but I, I don't know, maybe I'm a bit, I just not selfish, but I just, I just knew I couldn't kind of lose who I am as a person. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I definitely was a better mother by going to work. Can you share any any why, any reasons you think that's the case? I think part of it is my sense of, it comes back to that sense of achievement. You know, right. at the time, my sense of achievement was wrapped up in having a good job and yep. doing well at work and, you know, working for big companies. I worked for big, well-known companies, being able to say, I worked for this company and this company and this company. Mm. There was a bit mm. of ego in there. Mm. Um there's probably a bit of, you know, I grew up in the western suburbs of Penrith. At Penrith. There's right. probably a bit of a, 
you know, Western girl, Western Sydney girl makes good kind of element okay. to it. Um, right. I don't know. There's all sorts of probably complex psychology, <laughs> according <laughs> yeah. to me. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, just to, you know, not escaped because my family, and I'm probably more proud of my heritage now than I've ever, ever been. But um, there's always, there's, there's a lot of you want to escape that kind of stigma of being from the West. Um, and so there's probably an element of that, you know, I've, I've made it, I've got a good career. I've, um, I'm not the stereotype of where I came from. Yeah, that's, I, I feel a little sense of that. I, I grew up in, in Scotland, uh, mm-hmm. as you know, in a, you know, pretty working class average household. Yeah. Um, and I guess it's only in comparison because I had no idea what life was really like. And there's a little bit of drive in me that, kind of fuels my fire around yeah you know pro boy done good mm-hmm. um yep but it's interesting the good might be seen materially by others whereas more and more over the years it's been for me more about being a better human yeah and I think I've now probably that's where I am a bit too now it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where I live or came from all the clothes I wear like that's never the material has never really driven me like money has never driven me but it me it's about that you know am I am I a good person am I bringing up good people am I making a contribution to the the society that I live in Mm. Um, and so does that now give you as much sense of achievement and is the achievement the fulfillment part than the corporate job did before I don't know and that's probably where I'm at a bit of a crossroads again mm-hmm. now is um is trying to think about well what does give me fulfillment I kind okay. of wish if I could be paid to read a book would be I would <laughs> my life would be complete um <laughs> yeah I'm I'm um two and a half years into running our business um it financially we've got a bit of way to go for it to be successful um, we've still got to, re- that was always my big fear making that decision to leave corporate was far yeah. out. Will we still have a roof over our head? Yeah. Um, and I know we always will because, you know, yeah. I can always go and live with my parents. I'd rather not do that <laughs> my age with my two children, but <laughs> worst comes to worst. Your parents are probably saying the same thing. Oh, they, well, my sister's living with them at the moment. So it's right. a bit, it's a bit busy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Um, two and a half years in I've realized okay well the money always comes you know the, the contract yeah. job turns up when you need it to or in COVID the government steps in and helps you out and we're still here two and a half years later so I'm at this point where I'm going wow what is what does give me fulfillment and purpose I feel like I'm I'm trundling along a bit at the moment mm-hmm. um and that's part of it's COVID related I used to I was the president of the local Ush which is yep. the after-school care, and I, yep. I stopped doing that. You know, that was a volunteer position. I'm on the netball club committee, um, which is fine. But I don't, I don't know. I don't feel like I have to change the world. I just, I just have this kind of nice, normal life. Like I, yep. I'm always about no drama. Okay. Like if I have a life with no drama, I'm happy. I'm, I'm very happy being average, and you know, just it's when you said, you know, talk about people ordinary doing extraordinary I'm like I don't do anything extraordinary <laughs> I'm very happy just being happy you know well that's extraordinary 
Yeah, yeah. And, and the reason I, the reason this has become interesting for me is a bit of a backstory. I, a good friend of mine is an Olympian. Mm-hmm. He showed me some slides that Michael Johnson um, shared mm-hmm. uh, for the Australian Institute of Sport. Uh-huh. And this was a few years ago now. Yeah. And it was, here, here's Michael Johnson's tips for being successful. Set some goals. Work hard. Win, learn, change. Right? Very, very common yeah. bullet points, tips, strategy. Yeah. But because it's Michael Johnson, you know, he's lived it and breathed it. Can go, well, it must be true then. Yeah. And what I've discovered in chatting to normalish people like you and I is that we've all got that story too. Mm. And it's just that the interesting thing about our comparison with Michael Johnson is, well, it's only Pete and Anne, mm. but we're yeah. doing extraordinary things in, in a sense of within our lives. Yeah. Because that's, that's, what it is and it's often that comparison with other people and that's the big I think shift in me in the last two and a half years so, sorry Anne I've just got a little dog who's come to play I can see you <laughs> get out mate <laughs> they never usually it. come in here that's funny <laughs> I saw him walk behind you <laughs> yeah he's Hello, a very friend he's a very cuddly dog He's always putting his, you know, when they put their, their face on your lap and, you know, they reach up with their paws. He's, he's always doing that, which is quite, which is quite oh, loving. Well, yeah, I think that's been the big shift in me in the last two and a half years is um, I don't worry about things. Like I used to worry all the time about what do people think or, right. you know, where's the money going to come from? And, or, wow. How you have know, you done that without going through years of therapy? I don't know. I live on the edge of the bush. I do a lot of walking. Um, not, not, not that bad an idea. You know, if you, you're feeling, a, I read recently, if you're feeling a bit meh, meh inside, get outside. Yeah. And I'm, like, I'm looking out now onto trees. Like we live in a beautiful place. Right. So lucky. Um, I don't know. I just, I've done a few courses. Yeah. I, I now I'm now friends with people like you and other people who I've met through these courses. I'm just like my circle is a, is different. I think you know, I'm friends right. with entrepreneurs. I've done courses about entrepreneurship, mm. and um, you know that because I was always so petrified of failure. God, I was that classic right. type A personality I, from school all the way through. Uh, I just don't fail. I don't do failure. And so, you know, business is all about regular failure Yeah. and just picking yourself up. And so mm. having to do that on repeat and getting to the end and go, well, my kids are still okay. And we've still got a roof over our head. Yeah. It doesn't matter what people think. It's taken me a long time to be okay with that. Um, so I think like that's the, thing i don't know i can't remember what the question was but yeah um, and i'm wondering if there's there's a connection in my head and i'm wondering if there's one in your head you started by saying that shift you made was partly down to how you saw yourself you you shifted identity Mm. and you now surround yourself with different people and you know if we accept there's some some signs but probably more art around you become like the four or five people you surround yourself with the most yeah is there a connection there for you in your next iteration 
is something to do with identity and surrounding yourself with different people? Maybe. Yes, probably. Um, and that, I don't, I'm not, I'm a planner, but I, I kind of let things happen. Like, I don't feel like my life has ever been hugely planned out. You know, I, okay. um, especially my career. So went to uni, I did actuarial for a year, hated it. <laughs> saw this right. ad for the television ratings in the new a job at the, to do the television ratings for the, in the newspaper back when job ads were in the newspaper and went, oh, that looks interesting. That seems like me. I look at the TV ratings in the newspaper every week. I'm going to apply for that job. Got that job and went, okay, did that for two years. Then went overseas, came back, wasn't settled, went overseas again, went, was there. I was in, I lived in Ireland for three years. I met my husband when I worked there. Um, so my life has just followed this meandering path right. and um, I kind of have finally gotten to the stage where I go, that's okay. Like I'll just, I'll just wait and see what the next thing kind of comes at me. So you're I'm, more at peace, more contented? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know that I feel like I'm having this little bit of downtime now having a little bit of a lull to go, okay, I kind of know what I want to do next. I want to help small businesses with systems and process, particularly in the area of marketing, because there's so much behind the scenes stuff that they struggle with. Um, I've probably still got a bit of imposter. Like when you asked me that question about the people you surround yourself with, that just made me feel a little bit icky because I'm like, oh, I know I need to surround myself with successful people, but I feel like an imposter in that group. So I don't even know how to go and find them and be friends with them. (laughs) I think there's plenty of us in that group. So, um, yeah, I just kind of, you know, the whole thing, I didn't like corporate. And then I got this lovely opportunity of redundancy. Yeah. And would you have done it without that? I don't think I would have. I think I needed that push. I, well, okay. I needed that financial security blanket. Right. Yeah. Because the thing that had been the blocker for me was how am I going to pay for this? How am I, how are we going to support ourselves? And so to get a nice lump sum, I went, okay, well, that answers that question. And yet you said earlier on that your philosophy now is that the money usually comes and that's what you usually last... are okay you didn't feel like that then no way <laughs> interesting no the last two and a half years have taught me that's probably been one of the biggest lessons in the last two and a half years for me mm. is so, that financially we will be okay um if anyone's listening and they're thinking about making that sort of change with or without the redundancy mm-hmm. um I know it's your own experience, but sometimes that can be instructive. Do you have any thoughts about, you know, do this, don't do that, or here's what I did, here's what I didn't do that might be helpful for people? Nothing is permanent. <laughs> so that's kind of, yeah. I see some friends, you know, I've got quite a few friends still in corporate, and I see how unhappy they are. And I, and I don't say to them, just quit, because... I know it took a massive boot in my back. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's this thing leap and the net will appear. But my own experience was I needed a big catalyst. And I think that's true of most people. I don't, I think that's a decision that sometimes it is better when it's taken out of your hands. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, um, but I think if you do make that choice, then have, have some kind of support structure ready to go. So for example, because I took redundancy, I had outplacement support. And so, okay. and, um, and because I worked, like I walked into the first meeting with them and I went, they're like, are you okay? This was straight after I'd, you know, had the letter. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. And I said, and I want to start my own business. And they said, we'll partner you with an expert in that. And so I had this small business expert as my outplacement support person, cool. which is amazing. So I think it's don't just jump because it's, because it's crap. Have a bit of a plan, you know, sign up for a course or go and see an outplacement person, you know, a career coach or guide or a small, you know, find some, like I, I always thought I had to do and part of that overachiever was I had to do everything myself. I had to be the yeah. best at everything. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably my second biggest learning is like, just lean on people. Ask mm. for help. I've always been quite good at asking for help. Be an overachiever at leaning on others. Yes. Exactly. Oh, that's a great way of putting it. You know, I, I, I decided very early with my children that I wouldn't be, I wouldn't try and be the hero mum. that, you know, it takes a village and then I would, I'm okay to ask people, can you give, can you pick my kid up? Can you give them a lift? Can you, you know, you know, just always, I'm more than happy to ask people for help. Because I also I think a lot of people don't like to ask for help because there's this whole obligation. So I kind of feel like, right, if I ask for help first, then they might ask me for help back because yeah. they can see that it's it's yeah. okay. So I did that with my parenting, but I didn't ever do it in my corporate because i just saw it as this sign of weakness and I, that, I, yeah i hear of it all the time and somebody has a quality or an attribute that shows up at home but not at work or in one relationship but not in another relationship or in one project but not in another project and you know part of my job is to help them understand what's the recipe for doing it well in that context because you've got yeah. the ingredients yes it's then how do you transfer it into a different context mm. Um, do you know when you picked up the belief that asking for help's okay? Um, no, I think it's just this kind of combination of the last two and a half years of successive failures, things not <laughs> going to plan. And it's like, well, yeah. I can't do it all anymore. I can't, yeah. I'm never going to be good at all of this stuff yeah. of running a business. So I need to, and there's just the mental load too. Yeah. I also, this might be a bit of ego, but I'm kind of trying to demonstrate to my friends and people that I know that it's okay to just go, you know what, that was really crap and that was shit and that was, I didn't, I struggled with that. Yeah, and that's okay. Of, and it's okay. Like I'm part of trying to lead, I guess I'm trying to lead by example. I'm mm. thinking out loud now, it's only just really hit me. I'm trying to lead by example to my friends and my, you know, the people I know that it's okay to vocalise stuff. And that it's okay to, to, for things to be a bit crappy and to not yeah. try and just be perfect all the time. Because yeah. I do have quite a few friends and that are just still trying to be like that. And it's like, God, that's exhausting. Yeah. Um, I wish I could remember the word, but um, there's a guy, uh, I think he's 
oh, John Conning, I think, or something, and he's put together these words that are an expression of our unexpressed feelings. So I th- you might have heard of the word sonder, mm-hmm. S-O-N-D-E-R. Mm-hmm. And the definition of that is everyone you meet has got as exciting and as a boring life as you. We're all the same in that sense. Yeah, and yeah. what I've heard you say, my interpretation of that is, and I think he's put a word together for that, mm-hmm. is that you know, more often, and maybe because of the society we live in, there's so many people that have got this mask on and what sits inside is different. Mm-hmm. And what I'm hearing you saying is what sits inside is coming more and more to the surface. And so they're becoming closer and closer together. So there's less effort required to keep up appearances. There's mm-hmm. less effort to quiet, required to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there's a stillness, there's a contentment, there's a, uh, you know, a coherence between the different versions of ourselves that sit within and what shows up on the outside. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're trying to role model for people. I am. And, you know, I live in quite, an, I guess, an affluent part of Sydney, northwest Sydney, and it's all the, um, you know, there's a lot of BMWs and a lot of Audis and people go to the, you know, they just go to the supermarket and they have to be, you know, don't leave the house, get their makeup on. I don't ever wear makeup. <laughs> I might wear it when I'm, you know, might do it for a little video or whatever. Yeah. But, um, you know, I do, I feel very, I feel different to the people that I'm friends with and live around here, maybe because of where I came, where I grew up. I, I don't really know, but I was uncomfortable with that. We've lived here for 10 years in this part of Sydney now, and I have some great friends here, but I'm very different to them because I, right. I'm i at that point where I go, well, you know, I'm not going to put makeup on just to go to Woolworths. Sorry. And this is, this is who I am. Yeah, I'm probably just getting more comfortable in my own skin and it's and it was getting out of the corporate, having all these successes, successful, successive failures, which are fine, that have made me realise, you know, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I'm still the yeah. same person. Like I'm doing another course at the moment where one of the big lessons is to distance yourself. Like your business stuff is not who you are. Yeah. And it's, it's yeah. a work in progress, right? Um, yeah but that, I, I read, that took a long time i read recently that um you know ash barty who you mm-hmm. probably would know um the work that she did with her coach her site coach was predominantly about that yes about who she was beyond playing tennis so tennis yes. is what she does but who she is, is 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 different but synergistic and compatible but if who she is is just the tennis player that's quite limited that has really inspired me. I read all that stuff too after she won Wimbledon and the mm. interviews with him. And I think I even wrote down, you know, his kind of three three things. It's like, it's okay to say what your goals are. Yeah. Um, and it's okay to not achieve them. Yeah. It's like, oh, that's like that was massive for me to yeah. read that stuff. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. I remember, you know, my first entry into the personal development field. I can't remember who said it, but the principal. And, you know, have you, have you been to uni, haven't you, or not? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, the uni certificate that we get, you got this degree and blah, 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 blah. How often do we use it? Never. I have an, econ- I have an economics degree. Right. I got Once, to the end maybe. when I... Usually I want- never. Well, I got to the end of mine when I don't want to be an economist. That's right. So What it's the not- hell am I going to do with this economics degree? 
it's it's not the achievement of the goal. It's not the piece of paper that's valuable. It's the experience that gets yeah. us there. And so that's what I think he's referring to. You know, set wildly ambitious goals, and that's okay if you don't hit it. But what you've got to do to move along towards that is what makes you and helps you discover who you are in this part of your life. Yes. Because I think that can change. Mm. Who I, who I am is a deeply personal and probably dynamic answer. Have you read um, Ronnie Khan's biography? So she's the lady who founded... She Oz Harvest? Yes. And her biography is amazing. Okay. Um, so she's South African. Yep. And moved to Australia, high-flying corporate. Uh, well, no, she had like a big catering company and... Mm you know, one day had catered for a function and had all this leftover food and was driving home and was like, this isn't right, yeah. dropped it off at a charity. And, you know, she's redefined herself she has. in her late 50s, early 60s. Um, she's found her calling yeah. at that time of her life. And I'm, yeah. I was just so inspired by, yeah. like, I don't know, I don't, you know, I, I don't know what my contribution is going to be but it gives you it just was I was just so inspired that you can totally change your life and the direction that you're on and the contribution that you make and I think that's a perfect place to pause thank you so much for sharing lots of you in this I'm going to finish as I do with you know two or three uh, random binary questions if you'd be Mm -hmm. happy to answer and go with the flow here Um, so are you more sunrise or sunset sunrise okay the last movie you cried at oh god i cry at nearly every movie i watch <laughs> yeah me too i can't remember we watched oh we, did i cry the kids laugh at me every time yeah me I, and my I, youngest I, daughter are the same and our oldest laugh at us. so what, what it was it been, it might have been rams it's got <laughs> sam neil and is it sam neil and yep. who's the other uh, michael Caton. These boring brothers on a sheep farm. Right, okay. Um, One word that describes you? Happy. Cool. Um, What profession would you try if you could? Oh. It'd be teaching or nursing. Okay. Um, What's a maxim you live by? It always works itself out. Cool. And my last question was going to be a book that's changed your life, but I think we know the answer to that. Yeah, it's the Ronnie Khan. That's cool. Um, thank you book. so much. Um, it's been a pleasure chatting, and it's been uh, I've, two or three occasions of goosebumps on this one, of the stuff you've been saying. So Thanks, thank you Kate. very much. Hey, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. I really enjoyed it. All right. All right. Cheers, Anne. Take care. Talk Bye. soon. Bye.